Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we speak to higher education thought leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of this industry and pick their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On today's episode, we dip into the archives for an interview recorded live at the UPSIA 2022 conference. Evolution Editor-in-Chief and Illumination host Amr Talawalia is joined by Kelly Otter, Dean of Georgetown University's School of Continuing Studies. The two discuss how to build an institution's culture in continuing education, and how to balance accessibility and mission with the need to generate revenue. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us on the Illumination Podcast. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And uh, as you might be able to tell from some of the background noise, we are uh, still recording here live at uh, Opsia in Orlando. Um, how have you enjoyed the conference so far? Oh, enjoying it so much. Uh, I've been coming here. I was just telling my team with whom I, uh, I, I brought, uh, I've been doing this for 20 years. I think this is my wow. 20th uh, Opsia conference. So I'm at a very different place in my uh, yeah. academic leadership, and I'm at a different place um, with all of you, my colleagues, and uh, there's just great energy and a lot of excitement. I'm optimistic. Absolutely. Well, let's, I want to talk about your career a little bit, because I, I, if I'm honest, this might be a compliment, I don't think I realized you'd been in higher ed for 20 years. Yes, well, actually a little bit more. <laughs> so where, where yes. did you start? How did you get to where you are today? Oh, thank you for the question. Uh, well, I... Uh, originally thought I wanted to go into advertising and public relations. So that was my oh, first career cool. out okay. of college. And it was. I'm, I'm from Detroit, so I was involved in the advertising PR industry there, you know, working in the automotive industry, of course. Mm-hmm. And it just was not my calling. So I went back to grad school, and my, um, my uh, discipline is cinema studies. And I thought that I wanted to, to teach. And when I was at NYU, actually, that was where um, I kind of fell into an administrative position. Uh-huh. And I started seeing firsthand the, the needs of different kinds of learners in the classroom. Yep. And we had a unique model at that time where in the uh, continuing ed or professional studies unit, you could have students who were um, adult degree completers. You could have people taking uh, your course non-credit. You could have graduate students all in the same class. Mm-hmm. And so I just started seeing uh, up close the life cycle, the, that academic and professional life cycle, and the needs of the learners firsthand. Yes. And I just fell in love with academic administration. That's yep. not something you hear it's people not say a, very often. Yeah, not really. But but I just yeah. I uh, I just felt committed to ensuring that what happens in the classroom is where the students and the faculty need to be and deciding what happens with resources, deciding how to design and how to engineer environments so that students and faculty have an optimal experience. That's what I love to do. And so that also requires that we understand the environments and the changing environments, the external pressures, the internal politics. And that that is where I, I felt that I belonged. So yeah, so then that's where I, I discovered it at NYU, worked at a small Catholic liberal arts college, uh, you know, single sex, tenured faculty, yeah. went out to uh, University of Pittsburgh for nine years, uh, Northeastern for two and a half, and very happily landed at Georgetown in 2014. So here I am. That's right. Yeah. And I, I remember we started working together when you were at Pitt. That's and, right. Yeah. That's right. So as you've kind of gone through this journey and certainly as, as you've landed at Georgetown and, and you've really established a pretty fascinating culture at Georgetown. You've opened uh, a branch campus. You're committed to a, a Jesuit mission, but in a, in a really sort of interesting and, and dynamic environment of continuing ed. 
how how's that tra- how was that transition initially coming from you know from Pitt and from uh, from from Northeastern into that environment and 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 how have you started to execute on, on that vision over the course of the past call it six years yeah, seven uh, years almost eight yes wow yeah so it's um uh, it's, I, I love the question because I feel like that what I was able to do at Georgetown was kind of bring together different kinds of expertise um, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, adult undergrad, adult grad, workforce education, online education, veteran services. So things that I might have done uh, exclusively or in a smaller portfolio, mm-hmm. I was able to pull all of that together in the School of Continuing Studies at Georgetown. And the uh, the, the Jesuit mission is one that is uh, one that really does privilege uh, where where people are in any given moment. And so from an from an educational standpoint. We, we want to think about how do we provide the highest quality, most rigorous education to people regardless of their station in life. Right. So it's kind of always a, a creative design problem. Right. And so I fell into a culture, not fell into a culture, but I, was, I, I felt um, that I had um, educational allies that believe in... You know, how do we serve not, not only that traditional undergraduate population, yes. which Georgetown is so known for, but also the largest and the growing population, which is people who are of all kinds of demographic backgrounds. We have we have changing migration patterns. We have changing birth rates, right? So the, the look of the undergraduate learner has, has changed a lot in mm-hmm. the last couple of decades, and it's going to change a good bit more. Mm-hmm. How does our mission in the traditional part of our institution um, causes to design a culture and design a structure, how does the execution on that mission for all of these other kinds of learners require us to design differently and create yeah. different kinds of cultures? And so that's where I've been able to build SES to be more expansive, more broad, more accessible to a very diverse group of learners. Absolutely. And I mean, it's a fun execution of what's, what is honestly a really fun part of the industry. Uh, because uh, before we move on, I, I'm not, I just want to make sure everyone who's listening has a clear sense of this. Can you walk through what the Jesuit mission of education is? Because there's, there's Georgetown, the Loyola, there's a number of institutions that are classified as Jesuit institutions. And before we start to talk about some of the dynamic work you're doing, I think let's let's cover that. Great question. Great question. I think that for, and I'll just to, to self-disclose, I don't happen to be Catholic. Uh, and, but for, for many people, um, they... they they um, might not understand that this uh, that working in a faith-based organization doesn't necessarily mean it's about religion or yeah. about indoctrination, but it's about values. Yes. And so the Jesuit values uh, are very closely aligned with, with global social justice, uh, regardless of creed. Uh, there are about 12 uh, um, values that we talk about all the time. So one of the most uh, uh, important ones is cura personalis. What that means is care of the whole person. Uh, another favorite one of mine is cura apostolica, which means care for the whole, care for the organization. Hmm. So not only do we think about where is the student in his or her particular journey, uh, but where, what are the needs of the organization? And so that means we take an educational approach that um, requires us to, to, to really reflect, to think about the impacts of our decisions, uh, think about the impact of the distribution of resources, regardless of um, who wins and who loses. Uh, there's a strong focus on ethics. Mm. 
And so I, I think that's, those are some of the ways we think about what the Jesuit values are. They're, they're human values. Yeah. And they are, I would say, they're universal values. Absolutely. And that's why it's relatable to so many people. That, I mean, you're right. That's, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, that's broadly the, the mission of continuing education. It's, you know, holistic education. Yeah. I mean, it, it's starting to become clear. Yeah. So as you look at that that work and, and you know, you obviously you've expanded, a, a, again, a global branch campus. You're finding new ways of serving new audiences. How do you make sure that anytime you're launching something new, anytime you're serving a new audience, that alignment to the mission, that alignment to holistic education is part and parcel of, of what you're planning out. Absolutely. So whether it happens to be, uh, for example, uh, Applied Intelligence mm. is our, our fastest growing program. We launched it in 2018. We now have more than 500 students. Uh, we have wow. a program in, in real estate development. Uh, we look at the workforce needs. We look at the, the kinds of competencies, the, um, the demand, the job demand, because we want to help people get from where they are as learners to be well-employed professionals with strong careers. And then we think about the way we teach this mm. has to have built in these reflective components of um, are our students grappling with the issues of, you know, of um, financial disparity? Are they grappling with issues around the impact on the environment? Are, are people grappling with issues about gender relations and power relations? And we build that into the curriculum of a professional program. So all of our faculty go through this process of thinking about you know, how, how are our students demonstrating they've grappled with ethical issues, regardless if it's journalism, or it's uh, um, higher ed administration, yeah. or if it's strategic digital transformation. The competencies, the, the, the values are embedded in the competencies, and the competencies guide the curriculum. So for us, it's, it's a design issue. It's not content. We don't tell people how to think. We guide people in the process of doing rigorous thinking and struggling with tough issues. That's really interesting. Now I want to come to uh, a topic that for those of you who've been listening to, to this series of podcasts, you've heard, you've heard this theme come up, which is around this idea of, you know, this balancing act that continuing educations and uh, education divisions in general have to play between uh, the mission to be revenue generating, or rather, I'll call it the expectation to be revenue neutral at minimum, revenue generating ideally, um, and the necessity to be accessible. And especially coming coming from a Jesuit institution, there is a community growth aspect to your work that's that's foundational to what you and your team do. Absolutely. How do you balance the need to generate revenue against the need to be as accessible as possible to people who frequently can't afford access to non-financial aid supported programming? Yes, that's right. That's right. So the uh, the approach that I take is we lead with the values. We lead with the mission, what it is we want to accomplish with any particular program. And then we think about who is that prospective learner, mm -hmm. and then we think about what is that particular sector. Yep. And we, we calculate what are the costs of running a program like this, and then we establish the price. So we, we're not chasing the money. Uh -huh. right? The money is the result of appropriate alignment yes. of mission, sector, quality education, targeted to the right learners, learner support, Yes. right? 
So um, we, we have to think about all of those components. And, and we usually get it right. Uh, most of our programs are, are very successful. Mm-hmm. And our, our learners are self-pay. Uh, we have, in our, in our units, we don't have uh, philanthropy no. providing scholarships for no. people. So we have to set the price in a way that it can be accessed by just about anyone. Right. Uh, and our folks are working at least part-time. Most of them are working full-time. And they may be, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, depending on if it's degree education or executive education. Um, but it's, it, it's that formula. That's really interesting. So as you, you're, you know, obviously you're, you're an executive with a significant amount of experience in the space. What advice would you share with other folks that are trying to figure out this balancing act for themselves? Oh, it's a good question. I think that what matters so greatly is the context and culture of your institution. Mm. And, I mean, you look around the room here. Yeah. For every, every person you see, there's a completely different institutional structure yep. and in different institutional challenges. And I've experienced um, several different models. And by the time I got to Georgetown, I knew that I was coming into a model that would allow me to build, to create, to innovate, and that also expected rigor and quality. Right. And I could see the structures, I could see the support systems that would allow me to do that. And so the, um, the culture, the organization, the expectations of the institution, uh, where are the champions, and, and how committed is the institution to our learners? Mm. And I think sometimes we just have to find where those champions are Sometimes yeah. people need, uh, they need to understand better. We need to persuade them yes. uh, with, with data. We need to show them how this is done, like lift up the hood, like this is how the engine is built. Mm-hmm. Um, and there might be some institutions that don't have that commitment. And so one has to make a decision about how, um, you know, how hard you want to struggle uh, when the, the learners are there. Yeah. Uh, we are hopefully in our lifetime we'll solve the, the problem <laughs> of everybody having access to education. Yeah. Uh, but um, it's it's a daunting uh, it's a daunting uh, um, uh, set of problems that we've taken on by um, trying to help the uh, um, people who can't access access the best education mm-hmm. in the world. But that technology that's on your your wall over there yes. is helping us do it, and all these committed people are coming together to work on that. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you, and and you know this is. It's challenging not to sound smug sometimes, but it, it is incredibly gratifying sometimes to, to be associated with a publication like The Evolution, to be supported by an organization like Modern Campus, because there, there really is a belief in, in that mission and, and sort of everything winds up being oriented toward the mission. Uh, as you look to the future of higher education, as you look to where, where, the, where the, the industry is going, what are a few of the trends that you feel everybody needs to be keeping an eye on to make sure that they're, they're on track with what's going on? Oh, I hope this doesn't sound too obvious. <laughs> um, but I think that, um, I mean, what I spend so much of my time thinking about is um, how, how to get glimpses of what is happening externally, what's happening in the world with, with learners, and how people are going to thrive in, in their lives. People, people want to create and build and be well-employed and have a quality life. Um, and our institutions have been, you know, they're coming out of previous centuries, really, and our, our structures 
have been designed to replicate themselves. And in our continuing to professional ed units, we have the opportunity to build structures that sit alongside or outside those, those very traditional units that um, do deep, wonderful, rich, engaging research and wonderful teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically for an audience that we're very we're kind of accustomed to from, from previous decades. It's changing very quickly. So the, um, the, having data, ha- being able to develop more people with um, analytical skills, with the uh, organizations that are more data mature, yeah. frankly. We, we have to, I, I think, more about where do the student affairs people need more data analytics? Where yes. do the program people need more analytics? It needs to be integrated within. Yes. And I think what we've been doing is saying we need to hire more data analysts. But I think we need to put yes. the subject matter experts alongside those skill sets and those competencies, both to understand our context and our environment, mm-hmm. and then to be able to design the, the solutions, the, you know, the educational programming, and to get it to people so they can apply it. Yes. Absolutely. Well, Kelly, I'll, I'll let you go. And I so appreciate you taking the time out to, you know, again, we are in sunny Orlando here. I, I, I don't know how DC is this time of year. I know. Cold and rainy. Yeah. So I'll let you get back to the sun. Thank you so much hey, thank for joining you, me. Good to see you. You too. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, Modern Campus supports every corner of the modern institution, from continuing and workforce education to student affairs to the registrar's office to marketing and IT. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of the modern learner, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.